Welcome to Cosmic Brilliance, folks. Our show today is titled Dragon Elf Hybrid Super Soldier Reveals Universal Wisdom. I'm really, really excited to introduce my super cosmic brilliant guest today, Apollomy Mandelion. Isn't that the best name in the world? <laughs> You're going to be, I, it, it, it like belongs in J.R. Tolkien movies or something, you know, books. You will meet a courageous soul who chose a fascinating mission to come to this universe is a dragon elf hybrid. Now, you will learn all the details of that. I have asked her here today because I found her universal knowledge unique and important. And I had not heard this information that she will share with you partially today and mostly on part two about the two universes from anyone else on this planet so far. So you're in for a real treat. It'll be a magical and yet real awakening. And uh, some of you have probably heard the term, the grand experiment. Earth is the grand experiment. So all the details of that will be clarified for you. And as well as what's going to happen and how the universe we're living in is different from Source Creator's first central universe, where my guest is from. So my guest, as I said, is a super soldier hybrid that has been in secret government projects since she was five years old. And these government projects, both on and off world, are called secret space programs, which most of my listeners know. And they go by names like Project Stargate and others. She has multiple extraterrestrial and galactic species encounters and has literally been, as I said, to two universes, and I imagine multiple galaxies and all over the place. May this show serve to enlighten us all to the bigger picture of our soul journeys so that we can dedicate ourselves to the importance of developing our consciousness. And the biggest part of that is being able to contemplate big picture views so welcome, Apollony, and thanks for your sincerity and courage that it takes to step forward today and reveal this level of wisdom and your life's experiences. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Great. Okay, so we're going to start off with a bang by introducing our audience to the unique hybrid nature of your species. and. Um, before we do that, some of the new listeners may not know that their own human physical body on Earth or Terra, which is the galactic name for Earth, is also considered a hybrid as well. And uh, because we have multiple extraterrestrial DNA contributions given to us through our, the lineage we incarnate into. And so just keep that in mind. So... If you are containing it, that way you won't think when you hear somebody else's hybridization that it's such a weird thing. This is done all over the galaxies. Um, don't you find that, Apollomy, that, that uh, you know, doing hybridization genetics is like up there throughout the galaxies? It's a high priority. It is definitely a priority for many reasons, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we start with how your body was created 
genetically, and we'll go from there. So my body was created by several different species being taking their DNA and putting it together. Uh, the genetics are a little unstable. <laughs> uh, there was, if I remember correctly, it's been so long, about 24 to 26 embryos and only two of us were actually functional, but it still wasn't enough to serve the purpose that the creators who made us, uh, were, they weren't very happy with the results. So we had to be put into different programs. Okay, so let's let's back engineer that a little bit. So this was done on Earth or no. on the universe you're from or in secret projects? The, the genetic creation of this body was done in this universe. So there is differences in species orientation a little bit between Hanova, my body from Hanova, and um, my reincarnation of this lifetime of this body. Okay, so um, are you able to say where uh, you this genetic experiment occurred, or is that considered top secret? I know it was from the ICC. Okay. And tell people what that stands for. Inter. Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many acronyms. Corporate, corporate conglomerate folks. Your body is a combo of two very different species. Four. Well, okay. So the body from this universe that the ICC had made uh, in, you know, they, they got like requested to take these genetics and make the body for this universe. Uh, it is a mixture of Shkrel, uh, my celestial species from, huh? It, uh, mention which, is that what you're mentioning, what Shkrel is? Okay, so Shkrel are what most people will call dark elf species. They are from Hanova. The celestial dragon species, whose name I can't even pronounce, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I will send it to you so you can put it on the screen because I know uh, their, their language is sung, not spoken. So it's very difficult to pronounce. Uh, they are also from Hanova. And then I also have draconian from um, the other, uni- the draconians from the other universe. I have their DNA and uh, inner earth DNA of the the blonde people uh-huh. is from what I got the told. Barthans? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So they took all of that. Oh, and a little bit of human. So I guess that's fine. But they, they took all of those DNAs. They used the human as the bonding agent from the fifth era of man. Um, because they're the fifth era of man's genetic structure is a lot different than the fourth era. And they basically combined it all together. Now, the Shakrel from Hanova and the celestial elven dragon species from Hanova, they cannot interbreed. It, they've been trying in Hanova. They're just, their frequencies and genetics are too, even though they are both elven and they actually also have dragon in both of them, uh, it's just too different. They, they just can't do it. You did say dark elf. And 
we think of dark, we think ones that are self-serving. So do you want to describe that, what dark elf means? So most people will know what a dark elf means from the Norse mythology. Uh, In their mythology, they are called something different. I'm not sure if they're actually related or not, uh, because the Shakrell are actually from Hanova. But they have onyx black skin. Their hair is white. They Their eye color ranges from red, yellow, gold, orange, um, you know, so, and they have a very, they're very powerful, incredibly powerful. Okay. So, so dark. Very tall. <laughs> well, tell us how tall. What? Well, height's kind of difficult. Uh, if normally I'm about five, six and a half to five, seven. And I basically am crotch height to them in that in that height form. So I would give it maybe about 10, 11, 12. And they can get taller than that too. So well, I'm so glad you clarified that just because of the stereotypes or associations we have with dark and light. So you're right. talking more about the skin color and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like you had to shift from being self-serving to positive serving or no, anything like that. No, a, a lot of their interactions with like, well, obviously I'm an experiment. So my interactions were a lot different than, than their normal, but like their military is definitely kind of reminds me of the dark council, dark Draco faction, but their people on just normal planets are absolutely wonderful. They're nice, you know, the, they're giving. So you can't really judge by any of that. You have to do person to person. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Now you have drawn this amazing picture. (laughs) No. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing. And um, describe this for people. This is your elf Hanovian form. Uh, yes, and the form that they gave to me in this universe as well, because they were trying in Hanova for some reason, it worked. I ended up becoming a, a product of a celestial, what I call my celestial dragon species, who are also elves. They start off as elves in their younger years, and then they actually. Uh, start learning to shapeshift and turn into their dragon form in their later years, more towards the age of like mating and finding a mate and stuff. So um, even in Hanova, I was one of the rare kids who was born with dragon traits. I had my ears, my wings, and my tail. Uh, So Gold and crimson red is our my celestial species natural hair color. And it's also their their main color in their dragon form. Now all of the prismatic stuff that is they don't have that. That is something that I integrated into myself in this lifetime, along with the pink hair. We'll describe Hanova, folks, but I want you to first get. Uh, how she was created, and her true types. We'll describe a lot about Hanova, and that is the term for source, creator source's first universe, okay? Mm -hmm. We'll get into all the details of that. So every time you hear Hanova, you'll think of that. You're saying that your natural or most comfortable form that you have in Hanova, where you came from, 
to incarnate here can shape shift and into the dragon or the elven form or play that way and utilize those abilities. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So cool. How fun is that? So my celestial species in Hanova, I say celestial because I can't pronounce the name. They, again, they look like elves. Their skin is very pale. Their eye colors can be any, any color of the rainbow, but usually towards the, um, the blues, the purples, uh, the pinks, even, you know, uh, indigo greens, that sort of, that sort of eye color, uh, their hair again, all of the species, every single one has crimson red hair for the base and then actual gold in their hair. It's not like blonde. It is actual gold along with our fingernails. Whoa. So gold is a very high frequency too. Mm-hmm. What pops up for me is the fire element. Do you work with a lot of the fire element, like reddish gold? In I can... I can work with, I get along with every element. We don't really have so much of a, a favorite. I, our, our ability to breathe out fire actually comes from glands in our bodies. And it's ours is a blue, like a, a really sapphire blue fire that comes out and it can ignite without oxygen. Our chemistry mixes together and it will literally ignite in just about any environment. It's very hard to put out. Whoa. And what is it actually made of? The I have no idea. Wow. And and the glands are from situated in your stomach, lungs? Or they, they run from right here. And then we have uh, an area in our chest as well that produces the, the phlegm stuff. And can you use that at will as much as you want or does it run out and you have to rest? And Yeah, we, we only store so much and then our body has to produce more. So it's not our first line of defense, or at least not for me. Mm-hmm. But that's a wonderful ability. And all those abilities are online with you in the super soldier program too. Yeah. I do not use my dragon form very often on missions. They have a hard time controlling me in those forms usually because I can get a little mischievous, but (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be really good friends. (laughs) (laughs) I I managed to use my dragon form because I needed a distraction on one of my missions a couple weeks ago, actually. And it was entertaining because I can shape shift, but I can only shrink down or expand so much just because I'm so young and uh, I can get to about the size of a car, (laughs) but my teammates did not know that I could shape shift (laughs) only as a humanoid, not a dragon. And I ended up attacking the base that they were attacking and they started firing upon me too, because they didn't know it was me. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, in the military, so many secrets are always kept and they don't even, they don't advise you or your teammates. You usually travel in a team of like four or five or something. Is that what you do? 
Uh, we usually go, it depends on the mission, actually, because we can either just have me and another person, depending on what we're doing, or we can have up to seven to 12 people. That makes sense. Okay, so this dragon thing is so fun. Okay, so you can do the dragon thing, use the dragon abilities, but you don't shapeshift into that much. You usually stay in your elven form that we showed the first form. Uh, and the only what we'll get into this folks but the only reason you're not seeing her in that elven form but check out the ears <laughs> and in in uh, celebration of you right <laughs> these is because she's wearing a smart suit that has that prevents you from seeing that we'll get into that a little later okay so um Here's a kind of personal question. So I understand if you you don't feel comfortable answering this. What was your unique soul mission for coming to Earth? Because uh, <laughs> I've done a, you know I've done a lot of shows on star seeds. So most people will know what star seeds are, and there's star seed council missions, and many people that I sense are incarnating from there to coming to earth to help out. So did you have something like that go on for you? Well, it's a long story, but basically I'm here for punishment and I'm also here for a uh, source. Um, basically I, I work for the star seed council, not the ones that everyone knows. This one is actually from source itself. And we go and make sure that everyone's abiding by the rules for experimentation. I basically evaluate uh, the planet's evolution of consciousness <laughs> and and damage to the planets, and uh, then I report back to them. I report and back. That makes total sense. That was what I was sensing from you. You're going to learn about uh, what she's saying and how, how Source's universe operates. It's not exactly a free will universe. This experiment we're in is a free will universe. Okay, I just got to ask you, ready? Did you blow up a planet? I did. It was not intentional. Um, my, I was actually aiming at Mars. So what ended up happening was there, there was a... A faction of the, most people call them the Dark Dracos, the Dark Council, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones who are basically messing everything up for everybody else. They ended up infiltrating Mars when it was going through its star seed um, or seed planet phase, which means that everyone had to be assessed the planet had to be assessed to see if they were going to be part of the new galactical society where they could come up from the planet and live with everybody else and they ruined it for them there was a huge um, raid basically on the planet and we had to shut the experiment down early and basically nuke it from orbit to try and annihilate all of these bad people. We tried to get as many good people off as possible who had passed their ascension. I, I mean, teleporters were going from the pyramids on Mars to Earth to Venus, some, you know, towards uh, Jupiter's moons. They were just trying to get everyone off as fast as possible. And me being 
who I am and what my job entails, it was my job to basically do what we call the wipe, where we cause a huge cataclysm that literally wipes out 90% of the life on the planet. And that huge scar on the side is actually from the energy weapon I used. Well, I ended up missing my mark and ended up hitting Maldek instead. Now, mind you, I do jump parallel universes. So this is the events that had happened in my existence. Mm. So Meldek ended up blowing up and I got tried for every single death that was on that planet, which oh. is why I've been here for so long. No wonder they sent you to Earth. <laughs> well, Earth wasn't that bad when I got here. No, it was kind of went down scale every it couple did. thousand years. I had heard that story being a galactic historian and that isn't Maldek what's uh, the asteroid belts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So folks, when you're looking up in this, you know, in the sky, you can see the asteroid belt are the particles of Maldek. And we've had multiple galactic wars. Most of you know that multiple galactic wars. And, um, and there was a similar thing that happened in Atlantis that took Atlantis down, which was a misuse and mm-hmm. overuse of crystal and other kind of technology. So uh, I am not like making light of this, but uh, I understand your position and I understand how easily you could do that, you know, because it's about calibrating and everything else. Right. It's, it's, well, I was, I was out there alone completely or at least so I thought but I felt a pushing energy actually push my trajectory out but it was my energy weapon you know whether I had control of the situation or not every soldier is responsible for their actions and their weapons and so when I went in front of the council the starseed council the real one you know I got tried for every single child parent, adult of every species, animals, plants, you know, so I got tried by the true laws of source. And instead of them destroying me, I got sentenced to here. Uh-huh. And I've been here for about 34,000 years. Reincarnating over and over and over again. Yeah. Every single time I die, I have maybe a year or two and then I'm back. Wow. Do you have any sense when that will be over? Uh, this time is supposed to be my last round. That's what I was and, doing. Which is really weird because it literally makes the mark of the uh, evaluation and, you know, a thousand years after that, it's supposed to be the white. So, <laughs> right. Which we'll discuss in part two for people. Yes. Yeah, I was feeling like this is the end of such a huge time and era that this will be the end of your, I don't know. I hate I'm calling re- it but. I'm retiring after this. <laughs> I, am, I am done. <laughs> well, let's go back a little bit. I want, I want people to understand Elvin and Dragon, and then we'll move on mm-hmm. just a little bit more. So how do the dragons live in Hanova? the universe you're from, like describe a little bit about their culture, their food, their habits, their likes, their family, kind of like well, that. The only ones that I can really talk about is my species because oddly enough, I was really sheltered over there being a product of something that wasn't supposed to exist. And you have to understand that 
Yes, there is not fighting allowed in Hanova. You are not allowed to hurt people. You are not allowed to kill people unless there are certain contracts. And those contracts have to be signed, documented, and okayed by the Immortal Seven. When that happens, you have a small area that you have to be mindful of the plants. You have to be mindful of the animals, which usually we evacuate the animals. Um, and you can only use a certain amount of power and technology to fight each other. And my species and the Chakrell species have been at war with each other for quite a while. Mm. And my celestial mother got taken as basically a war trophy because not very many people get killed in those battles, though it can happen. And then they can choose to reincarnate into a different form in Hanova. It's the only change that really happens over there. So she got taken as a war trophy by the the person that she got subdued by in battle. And he ended up being basically an admiral. And they actually kind of fell in love (laughs) and ended up having, she got pregnant with me and then he basically let her go to go back to her, her own species. Mm. And so I got raised very pretty like behind closed doors. The only person who knew was my mother, um, her high commander and who we call our creator. She's not an immortal seven, but we know that our creators um, are made by the immortal seven by source and they don't hide that from us. They actually live with us. They teach us. Right. She looks completely different than the rest of us. So, and she was the only, also the only one who, who knew. And so like the only time I learned about our dragon species is when I actually joined the military and I started, you know, going through the classes, you know, I got homeschooled at home. Um, they're a very social structure. We, love knowledge. Knowledge is a huge thing for us. Uh, You know, we love nature. Nature is also huge. And music. Music is like to all of our souls. And when you're in Hanova, it's it's a lot easier. Uh, There is no, all the frequencies are pure. I remember my mother's harp. It was made out of crystal and had gold and silver strings. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I forgot about that part. Um, The harp was made out of gold and the strings were made out of crystal. Sorry. (laughs) Uh No problem. So the harp, the structure itself was made out of gold and the crystal strings, you don't pluck. You actually just rub up against them and it actually makes the vibrational tones. Because they're conscious themselves. The strings are a crystal, right? Yeah. And so the, how thick the the rods are made is how the tone is. Sorry. I I, I have a past life of Apollo and I was describing one of my herbs. That's all right. (laughs) I I get us confused. That was actually one of my secret questions. I was going to ask you if, uh, (laughs) if you did the Apollo thing because of your name, a little bit's a a giveaway. Oh yeah. yeah, I guess it it makes sense. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but I share in my shows that all the movers and shakers and the gods, small G of old, and everybody are all here. 
<laughs> a lot of them are here incarnated, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a huge process. Of yeah. I recycling. love meeting them. It's just uh, really fun. We'll have to do a show about your life as well. <laughs> I'm still getting memories, but it's, it's definitely interesting when you meet the actual gods. Cause some of them, some of their avatars are still out there and they're like, really friendly to you and kind of like just bring you in his family and you don't know why until a few years later and you're just like <laughs> ah, okay there's two things that pop up for me one is that you're almost were treated like an illegitimate kid you know like keep whatever shame or keep private or whatever but the other thing is if I understood this right you had two opposing forces there and you're a product mm-hmm. of that that transformed into love And our whole game here, or a huge part of our game here, is us to integrate all the aspects of ourselves into dynamic balance, right? Instead of the extreme dark, extreme light, you know, all of that. So to me, um, you're a living example of that. That's what I feel in you, because I can actually feel your sweetness along with your mischievousness and everything (laughs) else. (laughs) So... Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Okay. So let's, let's uh, give our audience a little description of what your birth is as a dragon. Do you remember your birth as a dragon? What was that like? My memory of me being born was actually given to me by, by my creator before he came over here. Cause she had to literally tell me everything. I, I didn't know who my dad was. You know, my celestial mother got remarried by the time that she, you know, by the time I was basically born um, and she, you know, got out of the military with high honors over there. So when you're military and you're like high honored, it's like noble status. So that that's kind of how our status is. And it's, it's not so much like, oh, I got to tell you what to do. Cause I, you know, no, it's not like that. It's respect, respect that you had those experiences, respect that, you know, you've, you've grown in experiences that no one else in Hanova could understand because they don't put themselves through those. It's against the law without signing those contracts. So, you know, they are given is against the law. Fighting is against the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so they are given, um, the, the status and it's not like you have a better house than anyone else. And by the way, like, <sighs> Most people would say that our dragon species is like an outer space dragon because we don't live on a planet. We live on disks that are made of material that are actually floating in a nebula. There is no dome over those disks because we can breathe everything. Um, you only really get atmosphere if you're in a nebula or like if you're on a planet or a moon that has that, that gravitational flow to, to keep an atmosphere. But you don't need any breathing apparatus in space uh, in Hanova at all. Oh, this is so fun. This is better than 70 movies, all pilots. <laughs> <laughs> and it's free, folks. <laughs> Okay, so you're going to tell me um, what she told you as you grow mm-hmm. as a dragon. Like what? Sorry, I got distracted. Anyway. No, no, no. We love your details. You, you flow as you will. When she gave me my memories, 
my mother had actually laid an egg. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I were dragons, but I thought they gave life birth because some of them do. And you either have the ability to give life birth or, or do an egg. And so she did an egg. And I remember myself being on this like pedestal almost with that had like these uh, designs on it that were of gold. The pedestal was like this white marble material. And there wasn't like a nest or anything. It just had like this little prong thing that, that held me up. And I remember like cracking out of it and seeing myself in a third person cracking out of it. But I can remember like, it's weird. Cause it's like, you see yourself in third person, but at the same time, like you feel everything as if you were first person. Mm-hmm. And I remember her coming in and just picking me up and then naming me, which is Apollo me. So, you know, and then, um, like taking me and she put me in this cloth, like I, I didn't really need cleaned up or anything. It was, it was really weird, you know, and then wow. like that, that was it, but she was kind of amazed. Cause I was born with, you know, a tail and ears and, a w- and wings, which there are other children who were born full dragon. I, I just kind of got like the weird in between thing. And it happens like once every 500 years in Hanovian years. So, and, um, I would think that that would be considered honored like the American Indian white Buffalo or something like that, but it wasn't so much. You being different was not considered. Uh, it was a little weird when I went to basic training. Cause like, it's not something that's seen very often. So, you know, the other girls were kind of like looking at my wings and my tail and stuff. And I was, I'm, was really shy even back then, you know, but so it was like something new for them, for the younger generations, because the older generations could already turn into their dragon form. And we don't get our dragon forms automatically. It's a puberty thing for us. Tell me about that. When does your tail and wings and dragon form happen? So even though I had my my tail and my wings, I could not transform fully into my dragon form until my 14th birthday. And I'm sure it's kind of different for, for every person because we have both males and females. Fascinating. Now, is that a comfortable process? No, <laughs> no, not in the slightest. It is very painful. I, ouch. <laughs> How long does that last? I think mine lasted about a half hour. I like at first, like my skin started getting all itchy, like everywhere. And this goes like, I never got my dragon form in Hanova. It wasn't until my soul and like my physical body here, cause it shared the Hanovian DNA that I actually went through my, what, I guess you can call it a malting process, uh, here. And like my skin started itching really bad. Like I felt like I just got like sunburnt and dry, uh, for like about a week. And then I had severe sharp pains where my shoulder blades were. It literally felt like someone was taking glass and just ripping it there like all the time. I didn't want to wear a shirt. It was very painful. And then for some reason, mine associated with the moon, um, the moon phase, whatever, whichever it was, I I like to keep private to myself, Mm -hmm. but there was a certain, um, there were certain like eclipses that happened and that seemed to have like triggered it. And, um, I, it felt like my r- wings were ripping out of my back. 
my tail and my ears, I have always kind of had ever since I was a kid. So those didn't really get too much painful except for the tip of my tail. Like I was starting to get like spikes on it. Um, that actually came from inside my tail, which was really weird. And then I could feel like fur growing on it. And then like my hair getting really long and it was just, it was really, really bizarre. And I, I could see in my mind's eye, like everything that was happening and, but the pain felt so real and I could feel my bones crack and breaking and just like forming themselves. It was about a half hour of excessive pain. Whoa. That's intense. And because you were so unique that way, it wasn't like you had a mother or somebody was saying, oh, you can expect this and it's okay. And it'll only last this long or anything like that. I had absolutely nothing. I did have contract contact with other dragon spirits and entities. Like they, they seemed to like hoard around me ever since I was a kid. Um, but I never thought in a million years that I was a dragon. Never. Mm-hmm. It wasn't act, like, and I, I thought it was just my shape-shifting abilities because I've had those on base ever since I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, so I just thought my shape-shifting was going crazy for some reason because the, the dragon form that I had taken was so bizarre to me that I, I actually was really critical of myself. I was like, what kind of hell, what kind of dragon is this? It's like all messed up. I had spikes on my tail. I have feathers and leather on my wings. So I I was like, what the heck is going on? You know? And then like my ears started, like they go like this, like on the top, they're like horse ears, but with spikes on the top, they go like this. I was like, so confused and I could feel my elven ears get longer because every person who's energy sensitive has always come up to me and been like oh you're an elf and I was like yeah I know I have fey lineage what do you (laughs) You but it's only other dragon kin who come up to me and been like you're a dragon ah well you've met some elves too right I have met a few and I've met two species on Panova there's more species in Hanova of elves than, than just the celestial dragon species and the Shakrell. And the Shakrell also have dragon lineage as well. They're kind of like a weird mirrored image, but they have completely different energy frequency sets. They're more of the silver spiral. Well, my celestial species is more of the golden spiral. So, and that might be why they can't really um genetically bond together very well you've got something there yeah yeah it's like um how we're mixing frequencies and alloys to create Mm -hmm. more ability and stuff yes 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 oh boy just got a lot of insights there (laughs) (laughs) you know I, i gotta tell you i have never heard of an insecure dragon haven't met me yet (laughs) what is the hardest adjustment that you had to learn as a dragon here in Hanova um both but probably here probably here because you're here let's start there uh learning to fly definitely that uh, I mean, like during shape shifting, like I, I never, I always flew with like feathered wings, but 
since my species has both, it's, it's the flight aeronautics is very complicated because it only works in certain atmospheres. Uh, Earth, not so well. The atmosphere here is too light. It, huh. it only really works with very dense atmospheres. And in Hanova, like the physics are completely different. So I can just flutter around anytime I want to, um, except for on certain planets. We still have to use spacecrafts, which do exist over there, by the way. Um, but it's here, it's just very difficult. And again, when I was younger, I only learned to fly with feathered because the first things I learned to fly during shape shifting was like hawks and eagles and falcons. So that was really hard. Um, You mean to fly like them? Yeah. Actually become them? But both. Okay. Shape shifting is very difficult because you have to actually know all the anatomy, the tendon structure, the muscle structure, the, you know the whole physics of the body before you shape shift into something that's going to be usable really. Otherwise you just kind of look like a doofy animal. (laughs) Physics might not work so well if depending on what you're trying to do, you know, you have to study them and watch them. Um, And that took months of training for me for just one animal. I could see that because as a creator, we're all creator beings, but as a powerful creator, uh, what we focus on, we create, but it's the details you're saying, you know, you mm-hmm. have to get the details down. This is true with all super soldiers that shape shift. They have to like have a certain amount of details, but one told me, I don't want too many details. Cause if I have to shift quick in a couple seconds, <laughs> I don't want to have to remember, Oh, this hair goes here and this goes here. And this well, goes. when you, when you take your time to learn the animal or the being that you're shape shifting into, you know, it, there's a difference between a skin layover. If you're shape-shifting just for a skin layover, like I could look like you, I could look at this person over here. It's just skin. But if your anatomy is completely different, no one's going to know unless they stab you or, you know, or like you get half blown up. That's completely different. But like, if you're shape-shifting into like a bird or a dragon or a lion you know, you, you have to know how everything works. If you're going to utilize it properly, how that animal runs the muscle structure to have the, you know, uh, springing ability or the flight ability. Wow. Very shamanistic on this world. They call that shaman, which is (laughs) the definition of shamans. Well, not definition, but one of their abilities is to actually move their consciousness into animals and Mm go one with it, you know, now here's, this just popped in when, you meet another animal, like say you were in a lion body and you met another lion. Would that lion know that you're unusual? That depends on how good your shape shifting is. If you can get the pure genetics of that animal, a hundred percent, then no. But if you were posing as one and you still carried some essence, even half or a quarter essence of your original DNA, they're going to know. Yeah. Because animals are so much more than people think. They're amazing. The nose. The nose, yeah. Is there any other uh, thing that is hard to adjust to that you had to learn as a dragon? Relearning your entire body structure over again as with the shape-shifting. Um, and once I actually started going in more into my, you know, 
non-human DNA when they started releasing my matrix suit more so that I could have more aspects of my true DNA, uh, hygiene, food, uh, energies, because the energies are completely different. Like my abilities really started kicking up in different directions that I didn't even know I had. And I had some of the Chakrell abilities in Hanova, but they really started picking up with just in the last seven years here. So, you know, relearning their abilities too, as well. And I'm still learning their abilities. They're not very keen on sharing. And I have, with being a mixture, I have some abilities that neither of the species have either. So I've been having to learn that on my own as well, which is extremely difficult at times. Wow. So, because <clears throat> you read my mind, not un- not unusual for you, but the dragon, <laughs> <laughs> the dragon abilities I was going to ask you about. Um, and I would imagine there are a lot, uh, a lot of different things. I could list off a bunch or you can tell us what you, you can nod or you could just tell me what you, what you do. I don't know. I don't know if we have to play the game because you're not allowed to tell me. So you can go like this. <laughs> okay. So we got telepathy, right? Yeah, but my elven, elvins have that too. Some well, Okay, because I was going to say dragon elven, okay? Both of them. So telepathy. Yes. Reading energy fields. Both. Infrared and other vision. Dragon. Control of other minds and fields. Eh, that really kind of depends on how, that could be both. It depends on, on how school, schooled you are and skilled. Well, you see the Draco part's very good at that. Dra- uh, draconians? Yes. And you have a little bit of Draco. They're very good at, contro- you know, projecting yeah. people's minds, right? Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, uh, if we're just being this universe for species that I'm mixed with, you know, um, some of the tall, it, 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 it really depends because, like, there's certain levels of controlling other people or projecting your thoughts into other people. So it definitely could be both for, for Elvin and, and um, just dragon in general. And I'm pretty sure they mixed me with draconian because the Shakril can mate with quite a few things. And so can my celestial species um, and dragons of the ethereal nature uh depending it just it's a good bonding agent which is why i'm sure they put the draco in there or draconian sorry not draco my apologies yes (laughs) um mind melding like there are uh you also do ambassadorial we'll get into that and so Mm -hmm. if you're talking to someone and they need to feel what you feel or what you've experienced you can project that right yes Sensing lies. That's both. That's definitely both. That like <laughs> child's play to you. Uh, use of fire energy to destroy things? Both. Elves are actually, depending on the type of elves, um, if they're really close to source, really close to nature, they can control a lot of elements as well. That would make sense. Yes. So water, air. I mean, as a dragon, you're already flying through air, doing all of that. You talked about how you can use fire at will. Mm-hmm. Uh, water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tsunamis, things like that. 
when you're on bad behavior? I don't think I'm that good. <laughs> Even I have my limits <laughs> for certain elements. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, telekinesis, throwing objects with your mind. <clears throat> I'm going to go with dragon for that or possibly elf. I'm not sure where the, <clears throat> I've never seen my celestial elven species, even on the battlefield use telekinesis. Um, but I do know that the Shakrell can. Okay. I, I, it depends on the species, I guess. Okay. Teleportation. Natural, <laughs> natural teleportation. This, folks, I'm not talking about uh, the teleportation box or going through jump rooms. This is the ability to interdimensional travel, teleport, things like that. Okay, so, so there's different levels of that, too, because there's teleporting where I could just, like, without my matrix suit, I could teleport from here to across the room. And that's literally either vibrating to a new dimension and just making that gap really quickly or moving my energy field so fast that people just can't see it. So I, I would have to say both on that one. Ah, oh, changing the frequency levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. Um, shape-shifting we already talked about. Invisibility. Then I'm going to go with dragon on that one. Okay. Now it, this we're talking without a smart suit like the one you have on. Dragons can do the invisible thing. Right. And basically what we're doing is we are bouncing light off of our auras. So you can't, you'll be able to see through us everything because humans vision is very, very mind, like you have a very small scale. So we basically bend the light around us. So it's like looking into a mirror. That's like a dome almost. I've literally walked up to people, even with my matrix suit on, had a full conversation with them and them not remembering or seeing me at all. Oh, because well, it's not even in their framework, right? They, it, it's they like, like rocket. So yeah, it's like I feel this light around me and it's all prismatic and white. And then I'll just walk up to them. And it's like, I don't know if I'm phasing or not but it feels kind of like halfway in between that. And I'll walk up to them. Clint, we'll have a full conversation and then I'll just walk away and they just, they won't remember a darn thing. They won't remember seeing me. They won't remember a conversation, anything. It's because it's so out of their element and they haven't been trained to be more multidimensional, I think too, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of like, you know, shut off, but that's a great ability. Can you cause people to forget? I don't like doing it very often. And it's a battle of willpower at that point. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And uh, obviously phase shifting on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously all the basic ones, clairsentient, clairaudience, your hearing must be amazing. Oh, with the suit, it's meh. Without the suit, it's, it can be pretty high and annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to learn to, like, shut it off or on. Otherwise, it's just static, like, everywhere. Both as a dragon and an elf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you would probably, um, we talked about this earlier, you would have a high sensitivity to frequencies in general. Biosensitivity, mm-hmm. right? Which yes. is good for you. To be around EML, you know, ELFs and 
EMFs and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, the the five G internet that I'm running off my computer right now, I can actually feel. Um, I can feel when I switch it to the two G. Uh, I've freaked out my chiropractors before getting x-rays because I'll tell them when they're hitting the button. You know, I can I can feel when I'm getting CAT scans, MRIs are a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. That's all sound frequency, but you can feel it all the way through. Like most people apparently can't feel it at all, which I thought I thought was really weird. You know, no, they, they they can't. Yeah, it but, literally feels to me like you're on one of those like washing machines that's just like jumping everywhere. <laughs> that's like our, your full body. That is sin that we're allowed here is so primitive; it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, empathicness. Yes. And most of my friends hate it. <laughs> they do. Not going to lie. They'll be walking by and I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, you stop. <laughs> Can't I be moody without you like interjecting? And I'm like, I just asked. <laughs> so I would imagine you, not that you, folks, she's probably sent out on missions almost every night. I mean, she's, this is her with three hours sleep to do the show. So, so. <laughs> Now, do you know how to take in prana, chi, and energy and live off that if you have to? Yes. And it's one of the only things that's been keeping me alive. If I'm actually deprived of it, which they do do quite a bit, especially during like huge celestial events, like um, solar eclipses, planets alignment, alignment. Wow. They will actually make it to where my suit does not allow me to feed off of prana. And you can ask anyone who sees me on a daily basis. I'm outside with my mouth open and eating as much light as I can from the sun. So if I get too prana deprived, I start going primal. I start getting really moody at first. It's, it's like I'm not eating and I will start to eat everything underneath the sun that I can get my hands on but it's not what my body needs. It's actually quanta it's prana. And the more I'm deprived of it, the more I start eating darker energy because that's the chakral side and it's not good. <laughs> like it's not contaminate you, right? It's, it's not that it contaminates like the darker side is still a part of source. People have to understand right. that it is, it is the second half of it's the golden and silver spiral, all those emotions, energies. I explain this in my Academy, you know, it's, it's, they're part of, of source. So, you know, and with them being part of the silver spiral, like I just get cranky cause I'm hungry, but mm-hmm. you know, I start eating that darker energy. I start eating like more darkness, which is not evil. You know, it's like nighttime energy. Um, but it can make me still very cranky because I am a being of light also. And if I can't get it, like I've literally started eating darkness energy to the point where I started eating that light energy. And most people don't know that the darkness has its own energy spectrum of light because they both produce light. It's just one is on a very different spectrum than the other. And that gets into a whole conversation about what dark energy really is too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yes, most beings that are have a lot of, uh, shall we say, golden or mm-hmm. celest, um, celestial uh, live off prana. And as you know, that comes from the sun, too. 
So the old worships of, you know, worshiping the sun and all of that. So I, that makes total sense to me. I know. That's all, that's all golden spiral and golden spiral pushes out and silver spiral sucks in. It's more self-aware. It's more about self-focused. It does not mean that it's evil. You know, there is evil to the golden spiral and evil to the silver spiral. So you have to be careful on both. So when that is so fascinating, so golden, would you say, now this is too simplistic, more yang, more out there, more like this mm-hmm. and, and silver's more, you know, I don't know if you'd say feminine, but it's more like introspective inward kind of thing. Could you say that? Yeah. If you want to associate uh, that with the golden and silver spiral, absolutely. So, you know, for the golden spirals, uh, evil side, if you want to call it that, you know, you're giving too much, you're, you're producing too much energy outward and not focusing on yourself. You're going to get worn out. You're going to get tired. People can walk all over you. You're too giving, you know, that's still part of an evil aspect, even though most people don't think about it that way. You know, so you need more silver spiral and the silver spiral is about self-focus, self-centering yourself to be able to provide for others. You know, you have to take care of yourself before you can give, you know, but it can also lead if you're too self you know, centering on yourself too much selfishness, you know, being naive, not seeing other people's point of view, you're kind of locking yourself into your own world. So the balance of the golden and silver spiral is so important. That's fascinating like that. That's so beautiful. And I'm wondering if wearing certain jewelry, gold or silver would would help that at all. Um, Because it's, it's more of like a experience, like, yes, wearing, wearing gold and silver will help you attune to those frequencies and it can affect your brain and your, your heart and your, your astral body um, to a certain degree, but you have to realize it of what's going on before you can change. You know, I mean, if you're drowning in energy too much, then it's hard to feel the energy of the other. So it might help balance it out, but you also have to look inward as well and see what's really going on. So that's why one of the foremost um, expertise or experience is probably for you as a super soldier, but for all beings is to uh, energy management and dynamic balance, right? Oh, they don't teach us that. They just teach us to use our abilities for as much destruction as possible and support for our (laughs) troops. But, you know, uh, no, all of this other stuff came from my remembrance of teachings of Hanova and the first Atlantis. Not the one that everyone else is remembering. Atlantis is very old and we'll get to that part um, later, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. What I want to know is when you were arranging this lifetime here, right? You consulted Yahweh. Was that correct? Yes. And how does that work? So I have been reincarnated a lot. Uh, I have quite a bit of knowledge of the afterlife. In my last past life, which was only four years before I was born, um, I was Christian. And You know, I had given my, you know, soul to be protected by one of the divine creators and Yahweh is one of them. 
And so I went to him after I ended up passing on. And I do have memories of, of his paradise, which is absolutely beautiful. I do recommend going there. Um, you know, is the social, stru- the social structure up there is way different than most people think, but <laughs> is that in the Hanova, um, universe? I don't Hanova's paradise. I honestly don't think so, but it is at a higher frequency dimension. So I don't think it's part of this universe, but it definitely did not feel like Hanova either. Um, but it was still very light, very airy, very golden spiraled for sure. Hmm. And so Yahweh helped you design your life or uh, what was the consult about when you consulted Yahweh? In order for me to be reincarnated here, I only had two bodies that he presented to me. And he told me just a tiny bit. He left out a lot of the details. That fine print. I know. Seriously. All oh, I saw was. Don't people when you give compliance for life. So like every detail, right? Yeah. So what happened was he, he made like a mirror almost. And he showed me one body that, you know, you, you got to see like he was a little baby and then like maybe it's. 10 or whatever and then 12 and kind of a teenager and they're just little spurts of like almost like tiny like two three second videos you know and he's like this body is going to be having a lot of issues you know the life will have a lot of challenges um, but it will be more powerful than the second one that you could be reincarnated into and then he showed me that body and it was prettier than this one you know, by all means, the life was going to be a little easier, you know, but I was like, I don't want if if it, if someone's going to have a bad time, you know, I don't want anyone else getting reincarnated into a body that's going to have a bad time. And I'll tell you what, when you're up there, man, you were prideful. As hell. <laughs> you're like, I can take on anything. This will oh, yeah. be easy. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> are you sure this is the one that you want? And I was like, yes, I'll take that one. So. And you did that just because of who you are as a celestial and, and what you're, and your creator being. And, and so you did that just, or was it also a form of love for you? Like if that's what's offered and it's tougher, I'll do it because of the warrior ancestry. So. This is going to sound a little weird to everyone. And this will explain why the fifth era of man is so important. You can only be born into frequencies of bodies that your soul resonates at. And that usually has to do with species. And even though I'm sure there was a lot of other bodies that could have housed me, it was the only family genetic line that was strong enough for the two bodies that I was going to be reincarnated with that even had closely the resonance and the, the one that I chose just happened to be the one that was the Chakrell or, and the celestial body from Hanova. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Cause the frequencies have to mm-hmm. match. If the soul is too strong in frequencies for the body to maintain. It will break apart. It will have a lot of malfunction, a lot of distress on your central nervous system. It can cause disabilities, uh, both physical and mental. Yes, because there's no coherent, there's not coherence mm-hmm. in the frequencies, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, let's uh, just get a little bit into uh, your experience as a super soldier without the show won't be so much about that folks, because she has a YouTube that has those other ones. So we are learning about things she hasn't talked much about yet, which is very exciting. And I prefer to do that. So uh, you are part of a team for a top secret organization that goes by unit. Is that a name? Unit 13 or something? Oh, no. Section 13. Oh, Section 13. Okay. So that's, that's your, um, the name you go by. And I assume, this is my assumption. Wait, wait, wait. Were you asking for the organization's name? Well, organize, anything you want to share. Oh, okay. So the organization's name is Section 1332C by the U.S. military and by the E.T. military. Okay. That is working in conjunction, folks. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize there. Actually, the Section 13 is governed by the E.T. military and shared by the U.S. military. Okay. And is it very involved? I would imagine, again, this is another assumption on my part. I would imagine that it's very involved in the Starseed programs. Starseed? No. No? Like incarnating Starseeds in? And no. Interesting. Okay. Not to my, uh, not to my awareness. Are you part of Project Stargate for the umbrella term? Okay. So are you able to open stargates with your energy? Probably. Yes. Yes. Which is actually apparently really rare for some reason. I'm not sure why. It is rare. I've only met two others. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really rare. Um, Well, look at the, the species genetics and DNA you have. I mean, a lot of people would consider those totally magical, right? But you and I know that magic is, well, magic can be magic, but magic is also higher science. (laughs) Understood. Okay, so um, why don't you, you shared a story in another show that I'd love for you to share because it it demonstrates who you really are. And um, folks, you know that the super soldiers are generally treated like expensive million dollar hybrid assets. And it's common to be loaned out to different corporations you are told very little details yeah. you're not allowed to ask right it doesn't stop me but <laughs> yeah good good which they have all their own justifications for but anyway so was there ever a mission you changed min- mainstream and shifted the outcome by by doing something that wasn't expected And I'm thinking of one you shared about shifting to diplomacy. Do you remember that one? There's quite a few, but is that the one on the desolated planet where? uh... Well, share a couple or whatever you. Okay. (laughs) Because it, I love these stories because it demonstrates the power of you as an individual following your own integration and guidance, no matter what. Right. They don't, they don't like it when we get off script, basically. Yes. Um, You know, but anyone who assigns me to a mission has 
literally I have a tag on my file that says not always compliant, does, is very unorthodox and does things uh, that I'm very just unpredictable. So, and yes, I do get disciplined for every single one. However, if I find that that disciplining is going to be not, you know, if my outcome of possibility disobeying orders is going to outweigh the outcome of obeying orders, then they can just shove right off. Right. Especially if it's something I'm very passionate about. I just don't like being a mindless drone who just goes out and follows orders and, yeah. you know, hurts innocent people if that's what they want. Exactly. So, uh, it's the one I'm thinking of that you're talking about me and just a couple other people got debriefed on going to this very desolate, I guess you can call it planetoid. It was very rocky. There wasn't really any floral or fauna there. And we went to this human outpost where these guys were building. um, It was like just this building out in the middle of nowhere. It was a couple stories tall. It had science labs in it, um, just engineering stuff. And these guys kept getting attacked by the local uh, terrestrial beings there. And it was just kind of like, you know, disruption here or there, break a few wires here, some, you know, pipes and stuff and some uh, like vehicles and whatnot that we got told about. And so we were supposed to just be on scouting duty and making sure that we scare off any attempts. Uh, And that kind of went south very quickly. What? (laughs) So they're only like, oh, there's only like 10 or 15 of these things that usually come around. Well, they ended up kind of in like 100. And I was only at a team of five, I believe. And we got overrun very quickly. These things were literally like clawing through the walls, uh, breaking the impact glass doors. We were just like trying to, you could breathe outside without an apparatus, but the air was quite thin. You know, we we keep our helmet suits on occasionally just for like bacterial purposes, but we really didn't even know what to do. I I have been in a lot of battles before, but raids are not really common as much as people think, uh, especially by native terrestrials that are not as advanced as uh, some human colonies. But they definitely had a lot of numbers. They had several different types of ETs. Um, Some of them had really sharp claws. They kind of looked like a mixture between a gray. And they had like really big mouths with like sharp pointy teeth. (laughs) I got bit a couple times. Thank goodness I have regeneration. But they were just everywhere and they were fast. And then there was these weird like dinosaur kind of they were kind of like weird like triceratopsy type things they they weren't as fast but they still had claws and some teeth you know and they were just breaking through the walls really quickly and all we could do was grab as many workers as possible and run through the building like breaking through the the glass on both sides of some of the office spaces and 
just trying to get away from these things. And I was phasing in and out of doors, you know, making sure the coast was clear so that the rest of my team could come through. And we got separated a lot. We ended up making our way to the basement and got out of there because there was a bunker bay that we were trying to get these people out to so that they could get, you know, back to a safer area. And when we came out and around, I was with my group because we were trying to be very stealthily getting these people out of here. There was this weird entity that kind of looked like he was like moss colored almost. Oh, like it, it was really. Before. Yeah. It, it just looked like he was just made out of like one of those chia pits, I guess. I don't know if you, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and he was just like behind one of these boulders, like watching the chaos go down. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I was like, okay, there's obviously something wrong. I can feel from this person that, you know, something's not right. You know, this whole situation just was kind of weird to me to begin with. And so I decided I was going to go down there and I told my crew, I will meet up with you guys later. I know how to portal jump, just leave. And they're like, you're not, you're not leaving with us. You're one of the head members of this crew. Like you need to tell us what to do. And I was like, you guys will be fine. Just get them out of here. And so I walked down to the much of the, you know, the test of my crew members. And, you know, I went like this and I went up to the entity and of course he got like kind of defensive. And I was like, you know, take me to your admiral, take me to your, you know, Person who's in charge. Well, I use some verbal, and then like I, when I speak, I also project. Yeah. So, and then it took. I can't believe I said this. I was like, "Take me to your leader," <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was just kind of like, oh, "Okay." And we waited there for a few few minutes, and I've seen a lot of things in my day, but like it was weird because this like Octurian type being who had like blue skin, typical bald head, was like in this dome and had like these tendril things coming out of his back. It was kind of like this weird suit he was wearing, uh, came over and I was like, I need to speak to your leader. You know, this has gone on far enough. So they ended up taking me to a couple miles outside of where we were to their base. And there was another moss like uh, colored being over there and he was brown. The other one was kind of like, I think he was brown too. Um, but, and I asked them, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, why did you guys attack these people? And they told me that they agreed to let the humans here and build and everything like that, but they had certain territorial lines that they had to stay behind. And that building was not where it should be. It was in their territorial line. And so I got a hold of my commander and basically told him what happened. I'm like, this is just a territorial dispute. This is nothing, you know? And of course the humans were like, Oh, we didn't know. And I'm like, that's BS. You guys yes. totally knew. Don't lie. You're always yeah. pushing the boundaries. <laughs> I know, right? So, and they're not the only species. But, you know, so we got it all figured out. And, you know, yeah, some people died and, and some of their people died, but it was definitely a lot less than it could be. You know, just, and then that diplomacy completely stopped everything because everyone had that meeting and they got everything settled out. 
Yes. So it's a communication issue. And you, uh, how, how do you say that when you uh, go back to your commanders and it's like, I know that you know that I know that you know <laughs> you just played a game and I'm not willing to play it. <laughs> right. Well, when I got back, I got, I got freaking smoked. They were like, you disobeyed orders. You put your team in jeopardy, blah, blah, blah. You know, like you you can't just be walking off and making decisions. And I'm like, it's what I do. You know, that's why I have my tag on my, my profile. I've seen my file, you know, but I'm like, I'm not sorry. I'll take the punishment. And then, you know, after everyone left the board meeting and everything, he like patted me on the back. He's like, good job. (laughs) Well, I'm proud of you with that. And I wanted um, people to have the experience of how you are able. Now, I think they all should should know, though, what is punishment? Because we'll talk about punishment on Hanova in part two, but punishment here, like what kind of thing would they do? I know you had to wear a collar at some point. Yeah, that was... That's probably because they're scared to death of you. Well... We still have disciplinary augments. They're located in our brains now versus the collar. I guess it looked more aesthetically pleasing. Like the kill switches and stuff? Pretty much. But they didn't tell us about it. I had to figure that out on my own. So when when Trump came into office, a lot of things changed for us. And the collars were one of the first things to go. But, you know, they ended up putting the uh, safety augment in our brain. And I ended up getting in a dispute with, well, we had a really bad mission that affected me terribly. Uh, it was one of the human trafficking missions. And I, I did not uh, appreciate uh, how a lot of the slaves were being treated. And me and a couple other of my team members ended up executing one of the people we were supposed to bring in. I went in undercover. I got captured by these people, found out where all these people were. And I, I got a lot of the same brutality treatment and I had to wait until the end to exact my revenge. Um, But a lot of these people were sweet people and they don't deserve to be treated like that at all. So, um, so I, I had a, a little issues and it was like the first time they ever, we started getting treated really humanely you know, that we have a psychologist on staff now, which is really weird. That was after um, the T-man came in. Yes. Which yeah. people don't realize. We, yeah. we went from Dark Draco and a lot of negative ET ruling uh, where we, we, we were treated like slaves. We were treated like animals. Um, you know, there was a lot of brutality, both mentally, physically and emotionally for most of my childhood years and early teenagers. So, you know, and when I went back in, it took a while to realize what was going on, but after, you know, he came in and changed everything, it was, it was so much better. You know, we we could actually eat real food. Um, A lot of the programs, you know, they were treating us a lot better. And this is only for, um, section 13. This I'm still in other programs that are ran by other countries and other ET factions. And every faction has their own ways of disciplining. Some of them are still what I'm used to as the extreme brutality ones. Um, normally they'll either throw you into a room with experiments and you, they're basically going to kill you and you have to fight out of it or, 
you know, it could be just as easy as drill exercises, you know, for a good 10 hours. Then you back to more military training as punishment or something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The one that I got for disobeying orders for that, they, they ended up drilling me for a couple hours and basically, you know, I hit the showers and was exhausted when I woke up, woke up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so much you go through, uh, and, um, post-traumatic stress. Do you, uh, what's your feeling? I've never asked a super soldier this because I know it can be a gift and it can be, what's your feeling about have memories wiped? Do you think ultimately that makes your life easier here because of the horrific stuff you deal with? Is it kind of a mixed bag because generally uh, ones like you are able to solely remember as they get older? What's your feelings about that? I would be very happy if they stopped wiping my memories. I get very upset for the um, nice word (laughs) about that because even though it is absolutely horrific sometimes, and I'm still getting memories from when I started the projects with the Dracos and, you know, the, what I call the Nazi Aryans. Yeah, I have a lot of bad memories, but they forged me on who I am. You know, I, I prefer to have all those memories. And part of the wipe is so that we don't share what goes on, you know, and I've learned the rules of, you know, you leave out this information and this information and this information because it could jeopardize missions later on. It could, you know, jeopardize us to other factions because I'm in the, I'm in a mercenary faction, you know, not against, not, not of my free will half the time, but you know, we're fighting sides that have just paid us to fight the people we were bought out from yesterday, mm-hmm. some of the factions. So, you know, it, it can get very complicated. And for me, it's all just a game of chess to them. So it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. But I prefer to keep my memories so that I can, because like, if, if you wipe your memories, you still have that trauma within your psyche. Exactly. And it can cause a lot of distress. You can get a lot of anxiety. I still have PTSD. You know, I was with my two brothers who they were, but one was in the Marines and the other one was in the army. And we were at the um, shooting range for archery and they didn't tell me there was a gun range behind us because the archery range is lower in elevation than the gun range. And I heard an explosion go off and I hit the deck and rolled underneath the car and they're both sitting there like, where does the ball of me? Where did she go? And they like looked under the car and they're like, we've been both in the military and we didn't even hit the deck. And here you are a civilian, you know, and you rolled underneath the car and we didn't even see you. And I was standing right next to them. I wanted to ask you because you would know it just felt like I understand all the reasons because you can just use logic and rationalizations like if you get caught, you can't give away secrets, you know, all that stuff. But it it's so traumatizing. It's just it is so traumatizing. Yeah, and and they've gotten the technique down better. They used to it used to be very painful 30, 40 years ago. But now well. I don't know, like some of the Russian ones, they would do that mind control thing where they would make you listen to stuff and then like you can access your memories until they actually gave you your phrase. And then they would snap you back into soldier mode and like you would go out and do stuff. And section 13 did that, some of that stuff too. But, you know, like you, it would be like either your identification name because like, I remember the day they gave me my identification name. 
you know, I was strapped to a chair, literally with the actual leather binding straps. And, you know, we had the scientists and everything come in and, you know, they, they were like looking over the actual files and, and it wasn't high tech. They actually had paper, but, you know, and then the scientist gave me my identification name after being evaluated, but, and he mentioned what project I was in. And I, I remember that. I remember what he looked like. So, yeah. you know, and having those memories just pop out of nowhere, you're like, what the hell? But there's such strong feelings behind it, you know, and then you're going to meditate on it and then everything starts to kind of unravel. And I still don't have all my memories. I really want to do a lot of regression work. Um, but I'm also scared because even though I got some of my berserker programs deactivated, uh-huh. I'm still scared that I'm going to end up like hurting somebody. Right. You know? And my you friend's like, that. we'll just put you in a, a stray jacket or something. You know, when I do this, I'm like, it better be made out of silver because if I phase <laughs> and I'm on berserking, there ain't going to be anyone alive in that room. So yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is a tricky thing. Um, by the way, she says when she phases, I remember a story you said where when you had this collar on, which of mm-hmm. course is so irritating, right? You figured out how you figured out how to phase out of it and describe that for people. Cause that's a great skill to have. So the collars that they had on us, um, and they have a new version, which looks better, but I, I still don't like wearing it. They're like this thick of metal that have a little box right here and a green and a red light. If it's green, you're okay. If it's red, you get like 10,000 volts straight to your soul. And they have technology to manipulate your astral body as well. So it's not just your physical body that's getting punished. It's your astral as well. And they, depending on who has the button at the time and what project that you're in, uh, depends on how often it will be used. I got shocked at least 50 times a day. I'm not joking. I was very disobedient. I didn't understand why I was there. You know, I didn't understand the purpose of them torturing us all the time. And they don't give you information. They're just like, you do this or you're going to get punished. It's, it's a form of slavery. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it is. No, it really is. You know, and earth is all about slavery and that's what we're trying to end. So, you know, it's, it's now there are, I understand some advanced DTs coming in and teaching how you can get people out of post-traumatic stress easier and hopefully like up-leveling in a more humane way, how to train people to be soldiers, not just with torture and all to activate their abilities, but more with love, like they do on Venus and stuff like that. Have you heard, have you seen like, benefits coming out of that slowly or a shift or not really i i pretty much to myself so if it's happening i haven't seen it i understand what you're talking about though because like when i start training other members of my group i I do the same thing like yes i understand why the nazi Aryans ended up you know torturing the crap out of us because i i ended up talking to them and they're part of the icc you know, and, and I ended up talking to him. I was like, why did you guys do this to us? He's like, we wanted to make you perfect. We wanted you to, yeah, for you to embrace everything that you are in every situation. And honestly, I have to thank them for it because I would never have came up with certain physics of my abilities without that torture. And it was one of the worst freaking couple years of my life. 
you know, like yeah. we were fighting ETs with the collars on and those collars suppress your abilities if they want them to. They're completely gone. You don't have your regeneration. You can't even be empathic. And you had to learn how to fight extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I un- I understand the reason, but also without getting into it, a lot of the uh, fourth right are taking Black Dune nonstop, which folks raises your IQ, but makes you completely like borderline psychopath. <laughs> Pathic. and so you know you're not you don't have the compassion so those guys are big on torturing they're big on perfection they're big on that so i get the point i and that 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 can activate you to be more resourceful i mean in a minuscule way i guess the reasoning would be like our muscles don't get stronger if we don't stress them you know in a certain way so i get it i just wanted your take on that the dragons that I've heard about or know, they're very connected to swords in their <laughs> in their culture. Uh, I think I don't know if it's a draconian thing or what. So I understand you got the privilege to have some good sword masters teach you. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. My council members. Oh, oh, you mean my um and that might be a fun story if you feel like sharing something like that. So I started my ambassador training for the Shakrell to be part of the Galactic, not Galactic, sorry, the Universal Council, um, going to their meetings and everything. And I do have some association with the uh, High Chancellor of Andromeda as well. I call him the High Chancellor. That is not his title. Out of the entire Andromeda Council, he is like one of the members who is, you know, um, they look to him for a lot of wisdom and a lot of guidance. Uh, he is Arcturian. And um, the one of the other members on that council is a female Syrian. And she was trying to help me like get underneath my feet. I had a lot of distress at the time because this was all new to me. I absolutely love being in space. It's, it's home to me. I felt very comfortable. Well, we were in Andromeda at the time and, you know, in, in their home area actually. And she asked me to uh, stop by one of her planets to where, uh, you know, she just basically wanted to get to know me more. And I was really excited because I love learning about different cultures. I was really excited to learn about their culture because I knew absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, I've been to a couple planets on Andromeda, you know, with that actually belong to the high chancellor of Andromeda. And they're absolutely beautiful. They're gorgeous. I love the cult, the mix of cultures there. You know, you see Draconians and, and Octurians and just uh, like Syrians and like some of the aquatic beings and humanoids even just walking around peacefully. There, There's no fighting, you know, they're just living all there and vibing together. So I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Well, we ended up going to one of her planets and it was very, very like Buddhist monk-esque. Uh, I did not know this about them, but they are very into like um, monk training. And I got to actually sword fight with her. (laughs) 
uh, I got my butt kicked, by the way. It was not even like they are so fluid, even though they're scrawny. They look really scrawny. Their muscle structure, everything. They're very fluid, very dexterous, very agile. You're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Their muscle structure, even though scrawny, just like the Octarians are incredibly strong. Couldn't even believe it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, But I did not know that they were interested in swords. And there was quite a few other Syrians there who were, you know, out on this, like, uh, sand area and this, like, temple area. And they were practicing their movements. And I was, like, watching them for a little bit. And she's like, why don't you come spar with me? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm thinking all of my powers and abilities. And I'm like, you probably could trump me on everything, but I don't want to hurt you. She's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. You Come on. And so we go down into the sand area and everyone kind of like, you know, uh, just basically watches. And she throws me this weapon. And, you know, she's like, you can also pick any weapon that you want. And so I ended up picking, um, pretty sure it was a sword. It's This has been a while. <laughs> and so we started sword fighting. And... Uh, of course, you know, I'm like trying to like parry and do my strikes and everything, but I'm holding back so much because I don't want to hurt this person. Not only because, you know, they're nice, but, and and I don't have really reason to hurt, like fight them, but I know what my abilities are capable of. And, and on a ambassador level you know for political <laughs> et politicals if i hurt this person i'm gonna hear it for freaking everybody you know so you're gonna go back to 100 more lifetimes <laughs> i know and i was kind of freaking out you know but i was trying to like main study and and my fighting was pretty good but she kept schooling me you know she like hit my leg and being like you need to move faster stop second guessing yourself you know and then basically by the end of the fight, she's like, you don't trust yourself. You need to trust yourself. I'm like, how can I trust myself when I can blow up a planet? You know, she's like, then you should not have your abilities. You should not have your powers. You need to trust yourself in order to have those abilities, to have the wisdom and the, you know, basically the willpower to know that you can have that because if you don't know how to use that and you 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 already learned your lesson about what happened to Meldoc. You already learned your lesson on, on, you know, using your abilities in public and everything else, you know, which I have been punished before. So, you know, so she's like, if you can't trust yourself, then you need to stop. She's like, you don't deserve to be here. You, you can't be an ambassador or anything if you can't trust yourself. So it was really, really enlightenment for me. Like I started be, I stopped being scared on taking step forward of, you know, doing my disclosures and coming out because it is who I am. You know, I'm not here for attention. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for fame. You know, I'm here because people need to know, you know, and I, I just, I'm here to tell everyone what happened in my life experience and whether they believe me or not, that's, they're just not there yet, or, you know, they, they may not ever be, and that's okay, you know, but I just need to get it off my chest because I've been holding on to it for 36,000 years. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I'm so good. Well, now's the time. 
of disclosure, right? And people yes. need to be reminded of their galactic selves, let alone universal selves, let alone creator selves. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just going to tell everyone right now. Except for maybe 0.2%, everyone's a starseed. Everyone has been born off of this planet once before. <laughs> there you go. Woo-hoo! Thank you. You might be here for a long time, but. <laughs> so two more things that we're going to close down. One is you did mention where you misused your abilities in public now. And then I'm going to have you describe how the suit you're wearing works so that people understand why they're not seeing your ears up like that and your tail. <laughs> Okay. Uh, if people hang around me long enough, it, it'll break down eventually, depending on how hard I push it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> if there's a glitch, right? If there's a glitch or something, your tail must go around and wipe things off the... I, I have moved things off the shelf before. I've had people brush up against me and actually feel my wings. Um, you know, like, uh, I've, I'll get excited about something. And we actually have pictures of my eye slivering. You know, we have pictures of my eyes transforming. Um, my friends are always like, your ears are getting pointier. You know, I've, my, my first apprentice came up to here and spent a week with me. He got to see my eyes sliver. My eyes turned crystalline blue. Um, my ears got pointy and I shrank in size about two inches. And he, he does carpentry. <laughs> No, actually, I was, was, I was okay. actually really scared that he was going to freak out, but he didn't. He was like, oh, my God, you're so enlightening me right now. And I almost started, I cried because I've been so badgered and hated because of my dragon heritage, you know, because people are so uneducated and naive. All they hear is the dark Dracos, the dark Dracos, they're evil. We must kill them all. But that's only like 5% of the draconian empires, you know, unfortunately there was a huge conglomeration of them down here, but that's not everybody, you know, I'm not, I may have been created by them, but that doesn't make me who I am, you know, excuse my language, but they can go jump into a galactic cesspool of a black hole and be shoved into the like netherverse. (laughs) You're helping people with their ignorance and with the loss of their memory. So um, was that considered like if you have friends over at your house and you start relaxing more or whatever and they find out, do you actually get punished for that by your? Uh, It depends. So there are rules and most energy manipulation people of the old ways know this. You don't show your abilities out in public. It scares people, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. So especially I for agree those. with that. Yeah. Until we get to, that's why they're conditioning people with the Marvel movies. <laughs> Man, I, I can't even watch a Marvel movie anymore. My augment send me to the hospital. Uh, the last time I even tried to watch a, uh, the, the new. Yeah. Uh, it's called one of the new, um, trailers my augment went off and i immediately went to the hospital my blood pressure was everywhere i can't watch black widow as much as i want to try to and i want to record it and like get everyone in my face to see my emotions and eye shifts and stuff because that movie just set me off for all my augments 
my super soldier training started coming out. My dogs were cowering in the corner just from me watching this. Cause I went stone cold, uh-huh. you know? So they're like, Oh God, <laughs> I hear that from a lot of super soldiers. They go, we can't watch those movies or, you know, whatever. It's yeah. The, the it, gives it, it starts to like trigger our augments and then we start having panic attacks, you know, um, PTSD now, when moments. You trigger the augments. Uh, folks, they can have augments both for control, but they can have augments for positive augmentation, correct? I wish so, I had that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need it because you're coming in with so many abilities from your species and whatever. So um, is the augments freaking out because you're not to watch those and all your body temperatures and everything are changing. So it's alarm, 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 alarm. Yeah, and it's basically, oh my God, they're getting their abilities because when I watch those movies, it's so close, like yeah, 30 minutes into or 20 minutes into the Black Widow movie, those shows that they were watching, the, some of those are triggers. You have to be careful if you're a super soldier watching that movie, especially from the 80s to the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those started triggering me for my programs. Um, some of the events that she went through, we went through on base and it just started triggering my abilities because I started feeling and remembering everything that happened and it put me in that situation again. And so my brain was like, reality check, you're in this situation. When we get to certain situations, our augments, the matrix starts to drop and the veils start to drop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause it's our matrix suit that reacts with that. And, you know, we, we start getting our abilities back and they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you're not on base. You, you can't have that. I wanted people to know why they're seeing you and you look totally human other than slightly pointy ears <laughs> and otherwise, the day. <laughs> well, most people don't even know about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not that exaggerated. So um, they have been, most have been introduced through smart suits on my shows and things like that, but you might just want to say how it works a little bit for you. In other words, you have a full helmet and suit on right now. People so don't. if you want to think about it as a diver's wetsuit, except for the feet and the head are covered. I I got my first matrix suit that I remember them putting me on, uh, on me when I was about seven to eight years old. And they, they put like this really thin filament uh, sticker on my mouth. And then I could feel them put the augmentation in my ear and the contacts in my eyes. This is in the eighties people. I I knew nothing of any of this technology. I'm just telling you what I felt, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I didn't think anything of it. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually started realizing that I am being in these suits. I did raise a lot of hell uh, breaking these suits. So they've had a lot of uh, advancements on mine anyway, because I started getting into my powers. I started, you know, they started giving me more of my uh, awakened DNA, you know, or body hopping me into uh, clones that are from my original body that they keep out in space. Found that out a couple months ago. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I always, it was weird because like, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't like being a clone, blah, blah, blah. And they're cloning me and I can fill all my clones. And that's true. They do clone me. Mm-hmm. So they, they keep the suit on me to, they don't have to do it uh, too much. I can wear a lower suit when they put me in a body that isn't dragon, 
But if there's any extra appendages or anything, I always wear the holographic suit. So whatever my matrix looks like, um, they, they keep close to that. And I wish my computer wouldn't have gotten crashed because I, when I didn't really know what was happening, I was taking measurements of my chest. I was taking measurements from my spine to every tip of my ribs, uh, my arms, because they were putting me in trashy clones where my facial features would change. I had my eyes color change. I had my ribs. They were like shaped like this. Wow. Um, yeah, I was bad. And I had three people who were around me 24 seven who could verify that this was happening, you know, and my matrix suit would drop on some of these because my soul got so upset. My astral body was just overpowering the suit it was breaking it down. And then you could actually see like my skin would go pale white, but it would have like this pearlescent sheen to it. And I mean, white, like stark white, where you could actually just see all my blood veins through me. Wow. You know, so, and then like my eye color would change. Uh, My hair would start to turn red, even though it's like this color, it would actually start turning red. Uh Yeah. Because your hair is orange uh, or reddish uh, with the gold. Yeah. Yeah. I only changed my hair color a couple years ago. It's originally crimson red with the gold in it. And then I have, as you can tell, I have white patches over here, here, um, and then, and without my matrix suit, I have some like random patches. Oh, those are white. cool. Well, I mean, most humans are just going to think, oh, she's just, you know, she's just, it looks young, but that's just, you know, well, and hair. That's what I keep telling them. I'm like, you could just give me my, my wings, my ears and my tail. And I could just tell everyone that they're synthetic and that it's a prototype from this random company. <laughs> Or you can do what the ETs do, which is they go to Las Vegas and go to these different shows. <laughs> and there you go. Do, right? And nobody knows who they Oh my goodness. Nobody knows they're actually ETs. Because right? gets dressed up as ETs, Comic Con and all those, right? It's one of the few they can get away with that. Welcome to right? Wake welcome to Las Vegas, folks. Okay, hon. Well <laughs> the one place you can go. But my, my suit for the, the physics of it is they put the suit on me. It does have the holographic um, presentation to it for whatever, like, they want me to look like. But as for my limbs and everything, they basically vibrate them to where they're out of your guys' sight. And they can also vibrate them to where I can't interact with anything on the fourth plane or fourth dimension. So... It's annoying because it really messes with my balance. It when they do that, like my hips move forward more, my my back kind of goes forward more, and it, it it causes health issues because you know, and it also causes identity issues because like I'm used to my actual body, and then I don't have them anymore, and my limbs it's like chopping off your leg when you when you've had it all your life. You know, it's. It really has a lot of mental um, damage to it, too, because it's like, oh, I don't have my tail. My tail is part of who I am. You know, it helps me express myself. It gives me balance. My wings give me balance. They're a pain in the ass to clean. But, (laughs) you know. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like, how do you sleep comfortably and take showers? You must have no furniture 
in your house because you need space for everything, you know? Oh my goodness. So my bed is on the floor. I sleep on a mattress. Um, I, for my shower, I have one of the pull off things because even though my wings are in a matrix suit, I still have to like get the, you know, debris and stuff off of them from, uh, like it just feels better. Uh, I, when I go to base, I get a full body cleansing, whether they put me into the avatar project or where I go on actual missions, they'll actually clean my full body. We, we have sh- special mist showers, sonic, sonic showers, right? Uh, yeah, we can go into the sonic showers or if it's not that bad of a mission, we can actually just use a real shower, but the sonic showers help clean my feathers a lot better. Um, and the fluff of my, my tail and and my, my mane, I guess you could say, (laughs) and my ears definitely. So, you know, and then like, I have to have a special diet because my, my species is actually allergic to a lot of foods down here. So so are humans, they just don't know it because all the foods have been poisoned here almost well, all. Well, I am it's taken quite a few years. After I started getting my my actual chakral DNA and my celestial DNA even more, because they started giving me bodies that are more attuned to that. Um, the chakral are like deathly allergic to all grains down here and quite a few of the other foods. Um, so yeah, I, I just figured that out. I had a huge, huge medical issue for six years because we didn't know what was going on and we just figured that out. So, and the whole time, because, you know, I'm that person where I have to have physical proof of everything. They're like, you can't eat this. You can't eat this. You are allergic. And I'm like, I've been eating this my whole life and I've only been ever allergic to grain alcohol. So why, why would it be just now, you know, cause I'm all skeptical and they've been telling this for me for six years. And then last year I started listening to them and got onto this diet. And then my GI specialist is like, I need you to eat grains again. Cause we're going to do the endoscopy thing and uh-huh. totally mess me up. You know, uh, how, come, how come they can't just give you food from the food replicators with a special diet? Oh, we get food on base. You know, and I get food when I go into outer space. And I told them, I was like, it's not, you could just put like a food company on the box and just teleport it onto my steps. No one's ever going to notice. Exactly. They're like, that's against the rules. You know that we can't do that. So silly. Or teleport it into your house. I know. That's what I said too. I'm like, you just teleport it into the basement. I'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot. So you're, Wings just fold and you sleep on your sides most of the time? Uh, actually, I sleep on my face most of the time. <laughs> or on my back. You have a hole for your face like my No, mis- but I should. <laughs> you have to get a massage table. That would be good. I should think about those, that. Those work. Yeah. It's the most comfortable. Oh, my goodness. There's all these things people don't think about. But anyway, love, you've been so generous. And this has been so enlightening and um, run the gamut of emotions. And so I'd like you to share your contact information so that people know and what you're providing, because I know you're designing and creating new things for people. Yeah. So you can find a lot of my personal interviews for all the ones that I've done. And I will eventually have a full list of videos of my personal disclosure that I don't tell anyone yet. 
um, at our website of galaxyofunity.squarespace.com. I'm also the host and co-producer where we do interviews on other people as well. We have merchandise and um, just like a whole bunch of cool stuff that we're going to be working on over there. We also have an email that you can email me at. I warn you, my entire crew has this email, so please no love letters. (laughs) (laughs) That galaxy. You get a lot of those? You would be surprised. Oh, I'm sure. I am. I didn't know how to take any of it. I'm like, I'm just going to kind of like read these and leave these right here until I know how to deal with this. But um, you can read just that galaxy of unity. Wow. Galaxy of unity uh, at gmail.com. <laughs> we also have a YouTube channel of galaxy of unity. You just type in galaxy of unity will pop up uh, where we are just starting to powder puff our interviews that are completely uncensored on our website and transferring them over to YouTube. So keep an eye out on those as well. There's probably going to be a lot of spaceship laser beam sounds and some weird noises for, you know, words and stuff that they can't talk about, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like it. Um, so thank you so much, so much. And folks, you're going to want to put your notifications on YouTube so that you will be notified when part two comes up, where she's going to be sharing amazing details about sources, source creators, central first created universe, okay, which is much bigger and where she originally is from. My question is, is are all of us from there? No, not everybody. And I'll explain that to you okay. on how okay. um, consciousness creation is made as well. Oh, how cool is that? Okay, so I want to end because I love your answer to this question previously asked you. And how do you respond when someone says, what do you say when people say, I don't believe it, prove it? I basically tell them to disprove me. There you go. Hand it back to them. Touche. And that's such a perfect answer with your feisty attitude and characteristic (laughs) of a dragon elf combo. I love it. Love it. So appreciate you. Thanks again. And folks, remember to like and subscribe. And uh, we will be seeing you soon for part two. Until then, upwards and onwards.